Father, I ask that you inspire us with everything that is within us, that we do take delight in you, because we know that you will give us the true desires of our heart. May that desire be to live with you forever. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So this next series that we are going to do is on the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason I have chosen this series is I think that, now this is my opinion, that if there was a formula for happiness, it is in these three chapters. If there was a book that God was giving, that Jesus was going to give to his disciples and to pass on, it was this sermon on the mount. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you, and I do want to see your hands, how many of you want to be happy? Are you for real? Only half of you? I am going to ask this one more time. You must wake up. How many of you want to be happy? Yay. All right. Two hands. Good. Now my next question for you is, how many of you believe God wants you to be happy. Amen. I want to see both hands. Right. I believe it with all of my heart that God's sole desire is that his people are happy. And people, we are uncomfortable with that statement at times. Because we think, oh, God wants all these other things, but God just wants us happy. The challenge is that we have been bombarded and bombarded with what will make us happy. And it's opposite of what Jesus is saying. There were two, we don't know if they're brothers or if they were just close friends. And there's a picture of them. And uh, I believe this was, a, this was a story in Pakistan. And, uh, and sorry if I, if I don't pronounce it correctly. I don't think we have any Pakistanis in here. Uh, Ramshan and Premshan were these friends or brothers. And they grew up enjoying each other's company. But one took the path to become a farmer. And the other one became interested in real estate, and he became a landlord. And as the economy turned, the farmer never really reached outside of poverty. Yet Premshan started making money, hand over fist. He was making, making, making money. But they noticed that their lifestyles, because of the poverty versus rich, it... it it gnawed on what was inside of them. So Remshand, when he would go to bed, because he had no money, no material things, 
he would go to bed, not even locking his door, just at peace with his life. But Premshan was different. Every, every night he would check that all of his safes were locked. And then he would lock all of his doors and set the alarm. And he, was, he felt somewhat secure. But he never would have a good night's rest. But the sad thing is he felt bad for his friend, Ramshan. So one day, he said, I am going to empty one of my safes and give it all to my friend, Ramshan. So he, em he empties it, and he brings it all to his friend. And he said, he will be happier once I give this to him. So he gives it to him. And obviously, a, a gift from his friend, he's so excited Ramshan said, thank you so much. I, I don't have much here right now, but please eat these crackers that I have. And thanks. Believe me, next time I'll have more. And so Ramshan, he said, I don't have a safe, but I know where I'll hide it. I'll hide it under my bed. And he hides all of this treasure under his bed. But something is different that night. He doesn't feel quite as secure. He doesn't feel as safe. He doesn't feel as at peace. So he says, tonight I will get up and I will use my lock for the first time. So he goes, click. Maybe I should use one more. Click. And he sleeps, but not very well. And he says, is this the new life of mine? So the next morning, they say, he says, please, Premshan, meet me for, for breakfast. And so they meet, and as they're there, Ramshan says, Ramshan says, please take this back. He said, why are you giving it back? Isn't it making you happy? He said, never have I lived without this much peace. So I would like you to take it back. The world has deceived us on what will make us happy. And you know it. The sad thing is, even within these walls of Christianity, we have fallen for the trap. We have all, me included, we have fallen for the trap of what will make us happy. We'll get to that in a minute. There is an article from Time Magazine and the, the title of the article is The Six Secrets You Can Learn from the Happiest People on Earth. Number one is relationships, relationships, relationships. So if we summed it up in one word, it would be? Amen. You were listening. It says that it turns out that there was one, because they, they interviewed all these people, and the 10%, the top 10% of the happiest, from however they judge this, it says it turns out that there was only one characteristic that totally distinguished the happiest 10% from everybody else, the strength of their social relationships. So number one was relationships. Number two, which I was a little surprised with, is do more, not less. The happiest people are those who are very busy, but they don't feel rushed. So they don't feel overly stressed, 
but they are busy. It says if you take too much time to rest, then you actually lose meaning in your life. But it says that these people, what was nice about it is people were deliberate about exercising their signature strength, what we would call the gifts or the talents that God has given us, the way we are created, they would exercise those and they would stay busy with it and they were happier. Number three is do not stay in a job you hate. I think that's fairly practical. Don't stay in a job you hate. Eventually it will kill you. That's basically what it says. Number four, plan your happiness. You actually have to plan things that you enjoy doing, like going to islands and whatever you want to plan. But you have to plan it. It might be small. If, I know you have to work within your budgets, but plan things that make you happy. Number five, and this is the one that we will eventually get to, it says happiness isn't everything which doesn't make sense. The six secrets of the happiest people. And it says, happiness isn't everything. No one confused the type of happiness ice cream brings with positive feelings of being able to raise a good kid. Ah, you parents. Hmm, I heard it. Happiness is a vague word. We need happy feelings, but we also need meaning in our lives. And the last one is give. Not until it hurts. I don't know if I totally, this is a secular, but but it says give. Giving makes us happier than receiving. How has the world tricked us? A secular article is saying that giving makes people happier than receiving. Yet we still have fallen for it, and we fall for it all the time, believing that receiving and getting will make us happier. I can't wait to get a new car. I can't wait to get my house renovated. I can't wait to get this and this and this. And even the world is seeing it is more fulfilling to give than to receive. Do you know, before you put this next slide up, what do you believe is the most famous Hebrew word out there? Is there one Hebrew word that you know? Hallelujah. Oh man, I didn't even think of hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thought of this next one. Oh, what? It came up like that? Oh, you must not have the fonts I do. Oh, a couple of these are going to look like this now. Man, this actually says, well, apparently, mulvuv, mulvuv. But in Hebrew, it says shalom. Do you know, have you heard shalom? Say it after me, shalom. What do we traditionally translate shalom into? Peace. But you know, peace is really, in our concept of peace, is not a very good translation. Peace usually means the absence of of war or strife. But what shalom means is complete. It means whole, physically, mentally, emotionally. It means 
put back together. And all the Lord wants in our broken world is to put the pieces back together so that we are at shalom. What shalom also can mean is content despite what's happening around me. Everything else in the world could be falling apart, yet I feel secure and complete, which is almost impossible to think of. It is for me, because yesterday, when my Wi-Fi printer would not print, I was so frustrated to the core this is not like oh well that's really sad I was frustrated you've heard of first world problems right I was frustrated that my wi-fi printer wasn't working so I had to download a driver so and then just plug in my computer to my printer how horrible I was angry I have been duped. We have. So how the Sermon on the Mount starts is in summary. And we call them the Beatitudes. Now, we have all these pictures of these mountains, and it is most likely not like this. It's like the next picture. It is more like this, because we know he's by the water, And then he, as it gets crowded, because people wanted to crowd Jesus, he moves a little bit further away and probably moved up onto a slope. But they were not the Himalayan mountains, as some of us, at least how we put them in pictures. But do you realize that Jesus was saying nothing new? Jesus wasn't saying anything new. He was actually not even using a new kind of speech when he gave the Beatitudes. I'm going to read the Beatitudes, some of the Beatitudes of the Old Testament. Now listen to the language, and then we'll get to the New Testament. I'm just going to read them. I didn't put them up there. Psalm 1, 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the Lord, in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Sound familiar? Next, Psalm 32, 1 and 2. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Verse 2. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit is no deceit. Psalm 40, verse 4. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Verse 41, uh, chapter 41, verse 1 of Psalm, blessed is he who has regard for the weak, who the Lord, the Lord delivers him in times of trouble. Psalms, uh, Psalm 84, verses 4, 5, and then 12, uh, it says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are every, ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their house on your pilgrimage, or their hearts on your pilgrimage. O Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. 
94, verse 12 and 13, blessed is the man you discipline. Yikes. Blessed is the man you discipline, O Lord. The man you teach from your law, you grant him relief from days of trouble till a pit is dug for the wicked. Psalm 112, verse 1, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. And then the last one I'm going to read to you, Psalm 119, verses 1 and 2. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. Jesus was doing nothing different. He was reminding them and summarizing what the Old Testament said. Blessed are those who take care. Blessed are those who are totally washed of everything. Blessed are those that trust in you. And Jesus says, I will put this in a neat package so that you can put it in a pamphlet and give it to people. How many people would buy that? If, if, just think about this. If truly we could find a way of true happiness. If I had this box and I, I said, if you really wanted to be truly happy, how many would buy this? Yet people resist this, and I believe that this is the only formula to true happiness. Now we must read them. So go to Matthew chapter 5. I, I, if I want you to, to open, if you have your sword there, open it to Matthew chapter 5. For those who do not, you have this up here. And we're going to read verses, now the first, uh, the first two verses aren't up here, but we're going to read the first 12 verses. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. To the world, nonsense. Think about this. By the way, we are going to, I'm going to share what that word really means in the original language, blessed. It, in essence, it means happy. Happy are those who cry, who mourn. Does that make sense? Happy are those 
who are poor. And that's what Luke says. It doesn't say the poor in spirit. It says, happy are those who are poor. To the world, does that make sense? Happy are those when people talk bad about you. Yay, I love it. Please, persecute me. It makes absolute nonsense. Blessed are those who are humbled. Blessed are those who are treated poorly. It makes no sense. But in Scripture, if you've engaged, you understand this does make sense. Now, the Hebrew word, which is going to turn up like this, ravah, is not really the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is ashar. Can you say ashar? This is what it would have been, been translated in Hebrew if it were, which there are people that believe that it was originally written in either Hebrew or Aramaic and then translated into Greek, but we will, that's for another day. The Greek, and even that's not the Greek that I had typed out, but uh, the Greek word is makarios. Say it, makarios. And that is translated blessed or happy. And this was eventually translated into the Latin beatitudinum. I'm not going to ask you. <laughs> but this is how we get the word the beatitude, which is believed that this was eventually translated into French, and then French, we get beatitudes. But ashar, oh, thank you. Can, yay, thank you, Vicky. Ashar, and when it's saying this in this part of speech, ashray, it says happy. But the word does not mean ice cream happiness. Or I'm going on a date happiness. Or I bought new shoes happiness. Right, Barbara? <laughs> it means content with life despite my circumstance. To be content. Do you know that that's the summary of the Ten Commandments? What is the last commandment? Thou shalt not covet everything that your neighbor has. Yeah, wife, goods, slave, whatever. And the summary really says, if you are content with what your life is, despite your circumstance, you will not steal. You will not kill. You will not seek for another relationship outside of your marriage. You are content. This does not mean that you don't strive for better. Because people are, well, does that mean that I shouldn't want my kid to be a doctor or whatever it is, you know, to have a better life? No, it doesn't mean that. But is that the focus? Is that the goal? No. The goal is what he just said. If you want to be truly happy, how many of you know doctors that are not truly happy? All right? We all know doctors that are, are truly not happy. And they were your kids. I'm talking about the world's kids. Hey, I'm pushing them, you know, just so that they're happier in life, and they're not happy. You know the happiest people on, at least in America, that I feel? is people in Hollywood. They should be the happiest. Don't you think? 
they, they got to be the happiest people on earth. You know, they, they've been striving so hard and they finally made it. And do you know what the percentage of people that are actors actually make it on the big screen? I mean, we're talking fractions of a percent. So the ones that finally make it and they're making millions upon millions, you know they got to be super happy, right? But how come there's so much drug addiction? How come you hear of suicide attempts? So you're telling me they aren't truly happy? They haven't found that secret? It means to be content. It means to set right. That is what ashar means. Now I know that this one is not going to show up either, but you know that in the, in the book of Luke, if you can just turn there real quick, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus does something different, or it's included differently. In Luke chapter 6, verses, uh, I think it starts with verse 24, it doesn't just give the ashar. It doesn't give the makarios, the happiness. He also says this, but woe to you who are rich for you've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you, woe to you when men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated false prophets. Now, to be honest, and let's not talk, talk about you. Let's talk about your kids. I don't want to see hands. This is for you to think in you. Wouldn't you love your kids to be wealthy? Wouldn't you love your kids to be well-fed? Wouldn't you love your kids to laugh? Wouldn't you love your kids to be spoken well of? I think for most people, the answer is yes. But Jesus says that does not bring true happiness. You think it does because the world has pushed it. It does not. If everybody, maybe that's the clue, if everybody's speaking well of you, maybe you should step back and say, what am I doing wrong? If that is my life, it's scary. Now, you know here in this country, we fall in this trap a little bit more than in certain countries. I talking to Rod weeks ago when he got back from Africa. He said he was in the bush, and people with nothing were happy. Did they even have electricity in their houses? Are you kidding me? And they lived? No electricity in the house? And they lived and were happy? We have fallen into the trap that everything that we have makes us happy, and if we didn't have it, we would be totally miserable. Yet there are people that are living with nothing. 
that are happier than us. Now, I want to show you a little bit here. This is called Hebrew parallelism. If you've ever seen, you've probably recognized it in the Old Testament. But if you, if you want to see one, let's go to Psalm 19. Psalm 19, I'm, I'm not going to share much. Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2. This is a very, very uh, common tool that is used in, in the Old Testament. And you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. It says, it says this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. Did you see that it uses a similar language, but different words? In Hebrew, they call this a parallelism, and it's saying the same thing, just differently. Have you ever heard this? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do you know the second part? And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It's the same sentence. Just said a little different. The fear of the Lord is knowledge of the Holy One. And wisdom is understanding. It's the same speech. It's parallelism. So there are some Hebrew scholars that believe that these, that there are four parallels here. And it says this, by the way, and I'll explain this in a second. Blessed are the poor is paralleled with blessed are the meek. Now, I know that seems to go outside of the, the, count, the translation that some of you have. But it, in some of the earlier manuscripts, meek comes before mourn. So some believe that they are paired together. So blessed are the poor and blessed are the meek. The next one is blessed are the mourners and blessed are those who deeply hunger and thirst for righteousness. The next is blessed are the merciful and blessed are the pure in heart. And then finally, blessed are the peacemakers and blessed are the persecuted. Now, I truly believe that Jesus also is saying something, and he does this often to remind us of the Old Testament. And the person that he's thinking of, who was the meekest man on earth? In scripture, Moses. Moses is. I do believe that he is making an allusion to Moses. Go back to Moses. You're going to find it all in Moses, even in his character. Was he meek? Yes. Was he one who mourned? Yes. He mourned over himself. He mourned over his brother and sister. Remember, they turned on him. He mourned when even the other people, Achan, all these people were turning on him. He mourned. Was he a peacemaker? Yes. Was he persecuted? Oh, yeah. There were people saying he was a bad leader. His own brother and sister said, did God only speak to you? You're the baby. Come on. I think God probably, we're a council here. We're a trinity of sorts. And he said, 
spare their lives. When the, when the people were sacrificing to the calf, spare their lives. I would rather you blot my name out of the book of life. Do you know what that means? I would switch their salvation, their rebellious spirit for salvation and me never have life again. Was he a good man? Yes. So, we're going to read just a couple of verses that illustrate this, that it is Old Testament. Blessed are the poor and the... And I think I did type this out so that you guys, we don't have to go through all of this. So, blessed are the poor and meek. You'll see the reference up there. I'm just going to read it. The first reference says this, A little while... The wicked will be no more, though you look for them. They will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Do you think God, that Jesus got this from somewhere? He got it from his own word here. Isaiah 50, or Psalm 51 says this, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Isaiah 29 says this, Once more the humble will rejoice in the Lord, the needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. To be humble, poor in spirit, brings happiness. To put others in front of yourself brings happiness. To not try to outdo other people brings happiness. Blessed are the mourners and those who hunger and thirst. Job 5 says this, The lowly he sets on high, and those who mourn are lifted to safety. Psalm 42 says this, My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Psalm 107 says this, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Verse 9 for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. How about the merciful and pure at heart? To the faithful, this is from 2 Samuel chapter 22. To the faithful, which that's NIV translation. I actually believe the King James is a better translation in this. Uh, to the faithful, which is also translated merciful, you shall so show yourself merciful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. And then Proverbs 11, A kind man benefits himself, but a cruel man brings trouble on himself. In Proverbs 14, He who dis despises his neighbor sins, but blessed, again, ashrei, ashar, is he who is kind to the needy. Let's move to blessed are the peacemakers from Old Testament. Psalm 34, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. By the way, do you know that that word pursue is actually the word that is also translated as persecute? There's a play on words there. Pursue as in to devour. So it says, with all of your heart, seek peace and pursue it. 
The fruit, this is Isaiah 32, the fruit of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. When you want quietness in your house, I sure do. Kids grow up, please. Quietness and confidence forever. Psalm 119, 161 says this, rulers persecute me. Again, same word, radaf, without cause, but my heart trembles at your word. Says, even though people are persecuting me, my heart trembles at your word. Psalm 142, listen to my cry, for I am de- in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for, though, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. We are trapped. And Jesus tells us the way out. And I do believe he's giving us a complete formula to happiness. Because right after this, you're going to see, he says, be salt, be light, because it will make you happy. If you are doing something that your eye is causing you to stumble, pluck it out, and that will make you happy. Right? Crazy face, huh? Really? Don't judge others, and it will make you happy. I know sometimes we really like to judge others. It feels good sometimes, and maybe gossip a little bit. But he says, no, no, no. If you want to be truly happy, ashray, don't do it. Worry? You worry about the things of life? Don't worry. Rather, seek his kingdom and all his righteousness, and all of those things will be added unto you. You want true happiness? I'm talking mostly to you younger people, because you still got time. Seek these things, and you will be truly happy in life. And is our custom... We will say the blessing that was given from the Lord to Moses to Aaron to bless the people. Yevareka Adonai Vayishmareka, Yaer Adonai Panav Alecha Vichoneka, Yisa Adonai Panav Alecha Vayasem Lecha Shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance toward you and give you peace. Father, you know deep down in our hearts that we want happiness, but true happiness. We know that the world is pushing garbage happiness, and it's temporary, and we're falling for it. Father, anoint us, empower us, and may we seek you with all of our hearts so that you will give us the desires of our hearts. In your name we pray, amen. Happy Sabbath, everybody.